Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on The Cooler Ring. This week, I'm pleased to present another fantastic episode from The Vault. More on that in just a minute. Part of the reason that we've been re-airing these classic episodes of the show is because our audience today is much larger and very different than it was even a year ago, and there's some great learning to be had in these interviews. We want more people to have an opportunity to hear the voices from our manufacturing marketing community. Carmen and I are preparing to release a number of phenomenal fresh new interviews for you very soon. That said, we're also very interested in hearing from you, our listeners. Are you a manufacturing marketer with a story to tell? We'd love to chat with you about it and see how we can build a show around your leadership and maybe some of the war stories that have gone with it, as they so often do. Please email podcast at coolapartners.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at K-U-L-A partners.com. And we'll get back to you to set a time up for a call. Don't worry, we won't be recording that conversation. It's just a 15-minute call to get acquainted and learn about your story. We'll also link to our guide to being a guest on the show notes page, so be sure to hit up coolapartners.com and visit the podcast section of the site to find it. The following show was originally published about a year ago when Melanie Vieira from Ball Corporation joined us to talk about how Ball, a manufacturer of aluminum cans for the beverage industry, managed to scale their marketing to address customers of all sizes, from startup craft breweries all the way up to multinational beverage companies. I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. You're listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? I am doing lovely, sir. And you? I'm good. Yeah, good. It's uh, it's good to be chatting today. And um, it's always uh, good uh, to um, have another excellent guest on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and I think... Uh, today we're. Uh, I, I, this is a conversation that has uh, kind of evolved, if you will. I think a lot of um, manufacturers have uh, open questions, <laughs> challenges, if you will, uh, around how to serve customers of very different sizes. And uh, I'm I'm really excited for today's guests uh, yeah. to shed some insight. Absolutely, and you know, plus on top of that, she also has an absolute breadth and depth of experience, not just more broadly, but with the same manufacturer has moved through a number of different positions and, uh, you know, is currently the director global commercial enablement at ball. Um, Melanie Virera. Did I, I, I screwed that up. Didn't I? Uh, uh, see, this no. is where we're going to have to edit. Melanie. Yeah, no. uh. <laughs> I, I even, I even phonetically spelled it in my damn notebook. Well, that's how good the notes are. I think, I think we keep this in now because this way, um, if um, this just helps elevate me, I think. Yeah. Uh, so I think we keep it in. This, this wouldn't be the first time that my mess ups like that help elevate it's like you. Like if we could, uh, you know, why lift yourself up when you can step on somebody else's neck when they're down? It's brutal. Brutal. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to try that once more with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> See, we don't normally have a blooper reel. You know, I don't normally have to edit much of anything out of these. They just oh, work. You're just making the work harder on yourself. <laughs> yes, you're only doing it to yourself. <clears throat> All right, so <clears throat> joining us today is Melanie Vieira. <laughs> okay, Melanie, did you say that right? <laughs> Mel- 
it's it's like it's Vieira, like Vieira, Melan- yeah. like Meredith Vieira, Melanie Vieira. So if he does know not know who Meredith Vieira is, you know she was on the Today Show. <laughs> no, yeah, not okay. Yeah. okay. Jeff hasn't watched television since the eighties. Um, uh, uh, was she on then? <laughs> Melanie, <laughs> so Melanie Vieira. Melanie Vieira, right? you got it. Yeah. I'm just thinking about. I'm not taking much. over this duty, man. No, I don't think you should. But you know, you have it recorded now. If you need to clip me in <laughs> and edit that, in. <laughs> that would just sound weird. <laughs> All right. So joining us today is Melanie Vieira. Uh, welcome to the Cooler Ring, Melanie. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we'll just stick with your first name from here on out. That's probably smart. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff has been challenged in the lead up to today's episode yeah. well, uh, with his knowledge of the Today else. Show. Yeah. So who knew? Who knew that you were going to be quizzed on uh, NBC uh, morning talk shows? <laughs> not, really, not really where <laughs> I play. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Melanie. It's a it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Of course, very happy to. You um uh, let our listeners know a little bit about uh, Ball Corporation and uh, what you do there. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Ball Corporation is over 130 years old, and a lot of people know about the company because we were the manufacturer of the mason jar. Um, but a little while ago, we actually got out of that business, so we're no longer making the mason jar. We we sold that business and license our our name to still be utilized. And we really wanted to shift our focus to a more sustainable packaging. Um, and that was all metal. So we are the largest manufacturer of aluminum beverage cans in the world. Um, and we have been really leading a lot of the, the conversation around why aluminum is the most sustainable package. Um, and we're really excited to continue to promote the advantages of infinitely recyclable materials that help with a closed loop system because the metal can be recycled forever and there's always value. And so we've, um, so we've again been around for a really long time. We work with a lot of different companies, um, historically large uh, soda beverage companies, beer companies, um, and then probably in the last decade really expanded to a lot of new categories. Um, starting probably uh, with the craft beer movement, we were really at the forefront of that, trying to make sure that the, the craft brewers recognized that the aluminum beverage can was actually a better vessel for the beer. It blocked out light and oxygen, which is exactly the two things that can really deteriorate beer. So when you're looking at a really high quality beverage like craft beer, it's important that you have the right vessel. And so that was our start to helping to elevate the image of the can. And we've been really excited with a lot of the movements that have happened. Um, Wine has been one of the things that I've had the really exciting opportunity to help grow and introduce the can to. So you're seeing a lot more canned wines, Um, certainly spike seltzers and some of the other categories that have really boomed have recognized um, the benefits both in quality and in recyclability of the can. Um, And then my role is global commercial enablement. So I've been through a lot of sales and marketing roles throughout Ball. And recently, uh, we stood up a department to help address uh, the customer experience and try to use technology and process and data improvements to really help um, ensure that our customers are getting what they need in order to run their business. 
Well, I, I can say as an outdoor enthusiast who likes to bring craft beer for post-ride enjoyment, I really appreciate your move to getting everyone <laughs> I on love it. cans. <laughs> I love you it. never yeah. want bottles in your backpack. It's no, you don't. They're so yeah. heavy and they break. <laughs> I know. I know. I uh, I didn't really uh, realize at first how alcohol-centric this uh, today's show is going to be. <laughs> He's uh, doubled down on I'm, his interest now. I, yeah, I'm, uh, I am fully leaning in. <laughs> can you do an old-fashioned in a can? They um, do. That is a big trend right now is mixed yeah. free cocktails. So yeah, that's a big, big movement. Very Indeed. tasty. So uh, look, uh, Molly, thank you for that background. I know that um, uh, we, we'd spoke earlier about um, the foray into the craft beer market being one of the early um, forays into serving a much smaller and a much different type of customer that has um, a very different uh, uh requirements through that uh, customer journey, um, not just from a you know, scale of ordering, but even the type of information they need to have and to be to be coached along the way. So I, I just think that's a, um, an, an interesting, uh, I guess, experience to unpack a little further, if we will. Uh, can you talk to us about um, uh, how you kind of uh, bent to the task of, uh, of 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 changing the processes and operations around serving those smaller customers and what you've learned along the way. Yeah, you know, we um, historically have been partners with a lot of the largest beverage companies in the world and remain really strong strategic partners with those those companies, and that was always the intent. Um, and we also really recognized and appreciated the enthusiasm of all of these other smaller emerging categories, um, not just because of the fact that they have amazing products and amazing brands and the fact that they want to use the aluminum can is something that we're really proud of and we want to support them in that, but also they recognize the sustainability credentials of the can, which again was really important for us to try to get that message out because I think we just over the years have not done the best job of communicating those benefits. And a lot of these smaller companies really understood those benefits and wanted to put that as the forefront of their own marketing and brands. And so we, um, yeah, we started to receive and appreciate this business from these smaller customers. But to your point, it was, it is a very, very different type of customer um, engagement because they are smaller. In some cases, they're they're brand new. They're startups. They don't even really understand the beverage industry. Um, and it took a different type of approach. So we were working with a lot of larger customers who have been in various types of packaging, but in cans for you know decades. And there wasn't a lot of you know education that you had to give for those folks. They understood cans. They understood how to handle them, the shipping, the filling, like they were on it. It was more of just the complications of the number and volume of orders. But when you get to folks that are new to cans or like are used to working with glass or some other package, you've really got to do a lot of pre-education because, you know, even something as simple as the fact that the inventory is committed, that is very unique to cans. We print the cans in line when we're making them. So if you're making, you know, cranberry juice, it is your cranberry juice forevermore. You can't relabel it really, not without you know shrink sleeving or doing some other sort of post-secondary labeling. It's going to be cranberry juice. And so that's a different sort of preparation, even for larger companies that were just used to working with other packages. And then with small companies, it's just like getting the minimums and things like that, that they're just not used to. And so we really had to step back and say, how do we 
how do we service all of these customers, making sure that we're servicing in the way that they actually get the information that they need in order to be able to make good business decisions. And so really approaching them um, somewhat differently and somewhat you know the same way. Because again, sometimes they need the exact same information, just receiving it in a different way. Yeah, I think you you had mentioned that, you know, in, in a lot of cases, your sales teams were having a lot of the same conversation with each customer. And, you know, there's obviously an opportunity to be providing more information to them more proactively um, that's going to help them along their journey, eh? Yeah, I think what um, what we recognized was, especially for folks that are new, um, new to cans, new to packaging, that there was just basic information that they they needed to to get in order to figure out what to do to move forward or how to make the business decision to move into cans. And so what we found is we have a limited sales team. I think in, in most manufacturing companies, it's the same way. It's um, you don't have mass number of people sitting in a room just answering phone calls. And so what we found was that a lot of our um, our team members were just having the same hour long conversations with folks. Um, really, you know, believing in the brands and wanting them to get the information so that they could streamline through the process. But um, what became difficult was making sure that we had enough time in the day to respond to every phone call that we were getting because, you know, they were just, you know, we had so many customers that were interested in, in cans that we couldn't get back to them quick enough. And so what ended up happening is by giving a really great experience to some people by having an hour long conversation with them and making sure they understood what to do we were really creating a, a delay in getting back to everyone that was needing information to get started. And so um, that was somewhat of the, the, the foray into our, we did a, a I guess a pilot or, or sort of a test case where, you know, we, we pulled together what we called an onboarding portal and it was really um, a fact finding aspect and, and helping them get set up in the system by giving them the information that they needed when they needed it. Um, still having people in the background that were there to answer questions and support them, but but trying to to provide them with more of a self service opportunity, so they weren't sitting around waiting for, you know, a ball salesperson to call them back, but they could get started and then just you know push specific questions um, back to the team when they when they needed help and assistance. And we really found some benefits in in the work that we did. Learned a lot. You know, we used a lot of that information in our future endeavors, but. Um, it helps show that like there is a need for that type of activity and, and our customers are really appreciating it because they could progress forward, not just be waiting for an individual. Yeah. I, I like that this didn't really seem to stem or at least if, if it did, you're, uh, you're very good at messaging. Otherwise it didn't seem like it stemmed from a cost concern or a concern that, oh, well, we're wasting salespeople's time. It was more quite, it's just hard for us to actually uh, keep up with the volume of demand and interest here. And give and, everyone and, a good experience. And give them the experience yeah. they, they deserve. And um, and I, that's what I just really like about um, about your approach here, Melanie, versus, um, uh, you know, a lot of companies really approach it as kind of, okay, you're a smaller customer, therefore you're worth less to us. And if you're worth less, then you get less in some way from us. Um, well, and using digital channels for that as if they're of lesser value. Right. Yeah. Uh, and 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 uh, I think one thing I said to, in the lead up to this show that uh, you know that every customer needs self service. It's just what type of self service do they need? And that digital self service applies across the board. And um, I just love that you haven't taken that siloed approach. I guess. Yeah, I think um, in ball from a culture standpoint, 
maybe is, is unique, but we've been in business for a really long time. And a lot of our employees have worked at Ball for, you know, over 15, 20 years. And we, we, we really do believe in what we do. We really love the can. We really, really get excited about the brands that are going into cans and we want them to do well. And it's, it's, it gets really difficult for our folks internally who love what they do and love our customers to be in a position where they can't respond quickly. And I can say personally that I felt that way when I was in business development, not being able to respond in what I believe to be a quick enough manner was, you know, it was stressful for me. And, and, you know, what we, what we recognized in doing this is to your point, it wasn't necessarily about, you know, saving money. Cause I don't, we aren't really necessarily saving any money at this point. We're just trying to get information to the customers when they need it. And, and the point that I was making earlier is that all of our customers, regardless of size, need information and they need information when they need it. They don't need it when someone decides um, to call them back or to answer the email, they need it in the moment when they're trying to make the decision. And so when we're um, embarking on really this expanded customer portal that we're, we're, we're working through developing today, the whole intent is to provide all of our customers the opportunity to get the information that they need to run their business when they need it. And that we have a team of people at Ball that are there to support our customers and to, to have conversations and answer questions, but not be a barrier to them running their business. And so while the information may vary on when they need it or how they need to get it, but ultimately they need that information. And, and so we're trying to make sure that the journeys match the type of experience each of these types of customers is, is looking for and hoping for and expecting. Um, but ultimately, everybody wants some level of self-service so that they're not waiting on somebody. And so that's really what we're trying to do is make sure that we're, we're getting all of our customers the information that they need in order to run their business. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. How hard was it to get this information together in a way that was usable for you to create this platform for, you know, for your internal team to use to serve your customers? That yeah. Have been simple in a company this size. That is... Um... Yeah, so this is kind of how it goes is we envision what this um, self service portal will do and what it will look like based on feedback from our customers, because they're telling us, in these various stages of the customer journey, here's the information that we need, or here's the kind of activity that we'd like to initiate via the portal. So we're like, great. So we have a pretty good idea. We have these great plans. And, and then what ends up happening is, that's when you start to learn what parts of your data and process need to be worked on. <laughs> um, and so you end up with a lot of individual projects internally in order to get everything to a place that you can facilitate that activity on a portal. And certainly designing the portal, like that stuff is hard. Like anytime you're trying to do like 
user interfaces and, and getting data in a place in a way that the customer needs it. That stuff is hard, but I wouldn't say that it's nearly as hard as actually trying to fix all the band-aided and systemic things that you have created over the years, trying to use our manual processes and Excel spreadsheets and, and sort of dated systems to generate that information. I mean, you're kind of um, doing an overhaul and you're prioritizing it based on what you're trying to do via the self-service portal. So it's good because it uses the customer feedback to prioritize that work. So we're listening to the customer. They're telling us this is most important and that's what we're working on versus a lot of times you have that inside out approach where you're like, well, I think this is most important. So I'm going to go and spend our time doing this and it doesn't necessarily add any value to the customer. So I think we're we're on the right approach in terms of how we're we're prioritizing the work internally, but I would say the the biggest and hardest lift is all of the stuff that we have to do behind the scenes just to get it into this really simple dashboard for the customer to use. <laughs> yeah, it uh, and it's it's so easy to underestimate that work at the <sighs> at the outset of the project. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you don't know what you're gonna you're gonna uncover. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't. It's it's like a Pandora's chest. You open it up and it's like, okay, I guess we're fixing all these things. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that you mentioned around the, um, the you know, for instance, craft brewers and others that may be new to cans is that that early information that they require is a very different part of the customer journey than uh, some of those uh, larger organizations, I guess, that, you, that have that have uh, been the mainstay of the, of the business. I'd be curious as you look at the, um, the customer journeys uh, and the, the, the various different journeys that you've mapped out from um, the, you know, the craft uh, cocktail or, or, or wine producer through um, uh, to, to the larger org. Have there been other kind of, you know, kind of surprising differences uh, in the customer journey or uh, kind of things that have, um, that, that maybe weren't initially obvious to you as you started that work that just kind of let you step back and said, huh, that's kind of odd. Never really thought that they would either both require the same thing at the same time or be so vastly different. Just curious. Um, I, I've been in a, a really unique and I would say lucky position that I have gotten to manage our larger accounts and also done business development on the very smallest. Um, and so I've I've been able to be exposed to that wide spectrum of needs of those customers. And so it's, it's been very helpful. I would say that you're saying I have, it's hard to surprise you is what you're saying. Well, I just, I have a better intuition about what everybody needs just because I've heard it directly from each of these types of customers. What I find interesting is that um, there's certainly a lot of that sort of fact finding that, that our smaller customers need more than our larger customers. Like our larger customers don't really need to do a lot of research about cans because they kind of understand it. But a lot of times they need like can handling guidelines. Like, you know, we always say if, if, if it's between the, the pallet of cans and a forklift, the forklift always wins. Well, that's not always the case in other packaging. And so like we try to, you know, there's a lot of guidelines that we try to give customers. And even though there's large customers that have been handling cans for a million years, they still have ongoing trainings that they do. And so they'll go in and they'll get the information that we have on can handling and they'll provide it to their teams to be able to do training. So while it, it may be just different instances, a lot of times the materials are actually utilized across the board. Um the ordering is a little bit a little bit different because just the way we manage our larger customers, the volume of orders that are coming in, changes that are coming in, it's just 
it's just a little different than how we manage our smaller customers that are more consistent and they order um, relatively small number of items. And so you really, um, so those journeys sort of depart slightly, um, but the, the data objects are the same. Like we're still trying to capture the PO, we're still trying to capture quantity, skew. Like, so when you look at it more from what is the same, it makes it a lot easier to create that baseline um, experience via data and process and other things. And then, and then divert where it's needed. So that you're making sure that you're attacking the real critical pieces and not just going and, and creating wholly different things that create, you know, lots of different processes that are difficult, difficult to manage internally. So that's been, I think, one of the, the key things that we've had is rather than continuing to perpetuate these like massive differences in the way we handle everybody and kind of moving everybody in, in different directions and all the internal teams just have to know through tribal knowledge, this is how you support these customers versus those customers, how do we create somewhat of a consistent experience? And then we, depending on the type of um, type of things that each customer needs, we can divert that process. You know, we can, we can add different data elements that they need to run their type of business. And so um, that makes it a lot easier to tailor than to just do a holistically new and different thing for each customer because they don't really need it. Yeah, that makes sense to start from a backbone of commonality, if you will. But I have um, to, I have to think too, and this is maybe a little bit of a diversion on this point. But I mean, we we've worked with a few craft beer producers. Mm-hmm. I have some friends who've started breweries as well. I mean, this has to be the most organized part of their day, because <laughs> everything else is just like hair on fire <laughs> constantly with most of these guys. So you know, like I have to think that you know, it makes the experience of working with you so much better for, and, and I'm just wondering what kind of feedback you've heard from the, from the uh, smaller producers and, and larger producers um, about that experience. Well, we have a long way to go. Like I'm not here to pretend like we have solved this nugget because we um, we're really, in my opinion, on the beginning of this journey. I think we have recognized that over the years, as cans have grown in popularity, we had systems and data and processes in place that were built to support our larger customers. And then when you start bringing on tons of small customers, I mean, tons, (laughs) um, just the number of customers that you have to service makes it really difficult. And then on top of that, so we've got this massive complexity just by just sheer volume of customers. Then our larger customers are taking advantage of technology that's allowing them to get quicker consumer feedback. They're doing, you know, test markets and pilots. They're changing their graphics every week to make sure they've got the promotion. I mean, so now you've got our larger customers that were traditionally much more consistent and simple. They have now grown in complexity. So now you've just got complexity upon complexity. And, you know, they always say, you know, growth is a good problem to have. And I think that certainly from a business standpoint, growth is always good, except there's so many difficulties that can come along with growth. And we are not in any way, you know, um, immune from that experience, because as complexity grew, we continue to try to muscle our way through it. Um, You start to feel those impacts um, as a customer, as an internal employee, Because again, you're trying to get, the customer needs information. They need it quickly. They need it really in the moment they need it. And we have difficulties due to more dated systems and and data accessibility to be able to to answer those questions with with the speed that they need it. And so 
I would say that we have really um, struggled to live up to the expectation that we believe that our customers deserve and that our customers are asking for. And so my whole job, in my opinion, is to recognize what our customers need and put in things that remove ball as an obstacle to their growth. And, and it's, it's, I mean, we're, the industry itself is out of cans. And so there's, there's that complexity on top of everything else, but what can we do to give our customers proactive information so that they can make the best decisions in their business? Like there's always situations that are going to happen in manufacturing where you thought something was going to happen. The line went down, the truck got in an accident But the quicker we can give their information, the quicker they can respond. And I would say that we have struggled in the past to be able to deliver that in a way that we believe is the right time and ability and and level of detail. And we, as a, all the way up to our CEO are, are committed to the activities that myself and my department are putting into place to rectify that. And we have a long way to go. So I don't, I don't want to pretend like we have solved this problem because it's a hard and long problem to solve because again, we've, we've been operating this way for a lot of years and we've, we've done various things through the years to try to kind of bandaid it and fix it. And now we're just holistically upending the entire thing um, and using a lot of the information that our customers have provided us as that directive on what we need to fix first. And um and so I'm, I'm excited. I think it's the right thing to do. And, and I think our customers, based on the feedback that they have provided us, had agreed. And, and we're at the beginning of the journey. Um, we're still, you know, lining up to bat and trying to, to get off <laughs> onto first base. I thought that was a, it was an amazing visual in the comment that you uh, just gave around trying to, you know, we thought we could muscle our way through. <laughs> you know, I, it could just like it was just. It, it's so visual to me. It's exactly what happened. Like this increasing, increasing complexity of dealing with this huge number of much smaller customers that have different requirements. And well, surely a little and, bit of elbow grease will fix this. Well, right, right. It's like that, <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, it's when yeah. working harder, that strategy is doesn't work anymore. There's not enough people to work any harder. <laughs> yeah, we actually require some level of emergent problem solving, which means the the solution isn't what we've done before and it isn't what's already known currently. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's just a, it's lovely to, to be at that part of the the journey, frankly, for ball. I think uh, uh, this is an incredibly interesting time for, uh, for you to be, uh, for you to be there. Uh, I know you've had lots of um, evolving roles in the organization over the years and uh, it seems like a fantastic way. The best is yet to come. Yeah. And I think it's really like, it requires um, a commitment from the highest level of leadership, I think, to do this level of transformation because you have to backfill positions because you need your subject matter experts out of the day-to-day grind and, and firefighting so that they can help, you know, envision the better way because they 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 knew they know they know what our customers need. They're on the front line, and and so you have to have a commitment to to backfill, to hire, to spend the money to fix. All those little projects they they add up in terms of cost. Like you, that you have to have a commitment that you're going to really go after the root cause, making sure that you're using that customer feedback as the driver of what you're going to focus on and where you're going to spend the money. And and I can say that we've got full focus and and energy behind this because our leaders really believe in what we're doing and and they they want to be a market leader in in customer experience and in cans. And so it's been. Um, 
it, it makes my job a lot easier knowing that I don't have to fight for that. Like that, that everybody recognizes the value that comes from the work that we're doing. Oh man, not, not being the, the instigator internally of, of <laughs> yeah. starting these fires to get everybody on board is uh, certainly a better place it to be. It takes some of the politics out of the job, which yeah. would be helpful. <laughs> not to say there's no politics, but it's definitely makes it a lot easier to know that you've got leadership behind you. Yeah, exactly. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for sharing your uh, expertise with us and our listeners today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, well, I sure appreciate it. It's been really nice to kind of talk about what we're doing and especially about where we're going in terms of sustainability and the aluminum can. It's it's a, a great time to be in aluminum packaging for sure. Well, we'll have to put you in the books for a year from now and find oh, please do. progressed. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do an update show. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks again. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.